Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The Super Bowl preview is done. We're locked and loaded for the big game. Now we turn our attention to our end of season awards. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. It's nice to be back on the pod ahead of what's going to be a great show. Lots of opinions coming up. And we're joined by Charles Patterson and Gordon McGuinness to go through the NFL Scotland Awards. Now, we're going to kick this off, guys. We have gone out to our listeners and we've asked them for their thoughts. So the format for this is going to be, we're going to share the result of the listener vote. We'll tell you who's won. We'll tell you some of the other people that got nominations. And then we will discuss it and we'll agree who is the official NFL Scotland podcast uh, nomination for each of the awards and who ultimately is going to win it. There's four of us on this uh, podcast. Uh, That means that there is the risk that we don't come to a consensus. We're just going to have to thrash this out. We will keep talking until we can come to a conclusion. So there might be concessions. There might be some people getting their way and uh, Paul's toys will end up outside the pram. So as long as we've got that (laughs) established, we can move forward. Um, And let's, let's start with an was probably a fairly obvious one, right? It's the big award. It's the MVP, the season-long MVP. And let's go right away to the listener's award because there's a unanimous winner there. There may well be a unanimous winner here, but the listeners, they voted Aaron Rodgers as the MVP for the 2020 season. Let's just mention some of the other people that got votes, though, because I think that comes into uh, contention. And let's see if you guys have any other names to put forward here. Other people receiving votes were Patrick Mahomes, Derek Henry, Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, and Josh Allen. So let's start off, first of all, are there any other names that need to be thrown out here in contention? So are we discounting Taysom Hill? (laughs) (laughs) Um, If there's an award for a player to play at the most different number of positions in a single game, then Taysom Hill has got to be up there. But um, yes, I'm not sure about MVP. Kendall Hinton's probably got him beat. Yeah, probably. <laughs> was, uh, was, was Mahomes in that list? Did mm-hmm. anyone say Mahomes? Yes. Okay, good, that's fine. He, Mahomes finished second in that conversation. So, yeah. Not a single vote for Russell Wilson. Oh, so God, not does that mean we need only... to go down this, down this awful route again of he's never had... He shouldn't he's, get a vote this year. He's, he wasn't. He wasn't in the discussion no, this year. He's never had an NFL MVP vote, and he's never had an NFL Scotland MVP vote. So you know, <laughs> it's, it's a double whammy for the man. Uh, I don't think he's in the conversation. Uh, really, is there any? So there's other names there. There's not really any other names. Is there anyone other than Aaron Rodgers this year that's going to win yeah, the MVP? I, I think it's Mahomes. I think it's Brady. Based on what? Based on the fact, I mean, well, it depends. Do we finish this at the end of the regular season or are we doing a whole season award? Because well, if, if it's the whole season awards, there is absolutely no doubt it's Tom Brady. He's taken a 7-9 team to the Super Bowl. The main difference is the quarterback. For me, there is no other more valuable player in the league than the man I, himself. I know. If we're doing the whole season, then we should be doing this after Sunday's game. Uh, so this is this for me is the regular season awards and there's there's no one else in the conversation uh, apart from Rodgers and, and Mahomes. Mahomes has had a great season, but Mahomes uh, had had a bit of a flat period through the autumn, and Rodgers has been stellar the whole season. And I think you add to that the fact that he was also the, the, the much trailed Jordan Love situation. The fact that people thought maybe he was done and over the hill, and he's come back and he's had probably the best season of his career that's for, that's it for me but if it's the if it's over the course of the playoffs as well then we're recording this five days early <laughs> no i it's our rules we can set it whichever way we want it for me i don't think you need to pigeonhole this i think it's if you want to extend cut it short it's for me i don't think a couple of extra games at the end matters that much uh for me it's rogers as well i think that brady has had has got great results, but hasn't always been great himself. Fine, Aaron Rodgers against the Bucks that first game in week six, stank. Other than that, though, there's not really been a blip uh, in his performance. And I think for me, there was so much noise about there was no wide receiver brought in. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams hasn't been fit all the way through this season either. Um, and yet, Rodgers has continued to just lead that team, drive it down the field uh, and get wins. They went into the postseason as the number one seed. And bar a horrible decision on fourth and eight, 
you know, they, they, they could have been the team in the Super Bowl. They weren't a million miles away from it. And I think that Rodgers had a better performance than uh, Brady all season long. So for me, Rodgers wins it for that. And again, it's the same thing for me over Mahomes. I think that Mahomes has been great. Mahomes is consistently great. That's brilliant. Um, you know, he, he, for me, is the number two name in that conversation. But I think that Rodgers just, just pips in a front because I think he did more to lead his team um, than Mahomes did to lead his this season. Well, Rodgers is going to win it. And he'll win the NFL's one and he'll win our one. But the thing that Mahomes separates himself from every other quarterback in the NFL is that he consistently does things that other quarterbacks, even Aaron Rodgers, even Tom Brady, can't do. That, that Like, we haven't seen a quarterback come along like this. And I think when we get on to the defensive player of the year, I'm probably going to make a similar argument. There's a lot of stuff that Mahomes does that we're used to and a little bit numb to now that we now just kind of go... Yeah, it's fine. We're not that impressed by. But there's stuff he does that's just, you know, he, he extends plays better than Rodgers does at this point in his career. Obviously, Rodgers early in his career was great like that. There's just so much he can do. And, you know, they're going to be the perennial Super Bowl favourites for a reason and the reason's him. Yeah, I think also, though, he's got, he has more weapons. He's got, he's got, assist, he's got probably the best offensive coach in football. He's got, Two lightning quick receivers, the best tight end, possibly the best receiver in football, and Travis Kelsey, and it's all set up for him beautifully. And the big argument coming into this season was Rogers didn't have enough weapons, and I think he and the scheme and the coaching, and we'll talk about Matt Lafleur later on, I'm sure, have proved that you can overcome a lack of weapons if you've got one receiver. If you don't, if that's all you've got. Mahomes is going to be MVP again and again and again but for the the outstanding performer this season for me I think Rodgers can't be beaten and Brady I don't think I'm sorry is even in the conversation to be honest with you and if you know if we're talking about the whole season he chucked three picks in the championship game he didn't even play well so um, hang on hang on Charles I just check Yes, his team won that game. Yeah, they did. In spite of him. In spite of him. But we were not talking about the championship. In, in spite of him is a very harsh way of looking at it. Because as much oh, you weren't three, on last week. Yeah, you know, let's talk about this. He, he threw he threw three picks as this like oh let me go look up Tom Brady's stat line. We're not talking about the championship. Hundred and fifty yards. Oh no no, he still threw three touchdowns as well. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Right, this enough saltiness. Enough saltiness. This is the first award. <laughs> We're going to be here till midnight. So it's Aaron Rodgers, right? It is Aaron Rodgers. Oh, and notable, two, two no, yeah, notable mentions to Mahomes and Brady. Absolutely. Great seasons, both of them. It's Aaron Rodgers. Congratulations, Aaron. You are the NFL Scotland player, MVP 2020, player of the season. Whatever. This is one something. Right. So, do, so does that mean I've now got to go away and write the the notice of dissent? Yeah. Is that not how it works? <laughs> yes. Somebody's got to write the approval and somebody's got to write the dissent. So I'll do that one. No, I mean, it, it's going to be great. I knew it was going to be Rogers. So that's fine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to plant my flag on this hill and die on this one. No, so indeed. We'll, save we'll, it. We'll save ahead. it, people. Save it. Offensive player of the year. No quarterbacks. Um, you know, who, who gets the nomination? We'll come to that in a second. Let's turn first of all to the listeners uh, and see what they had to say. So, offensive player of the year. The winner, uh, according to our listeners, is Derek Henry. In close second is Travis Kelsey. Dalvin Cook and Devontae Adams both got a number of votes, as did Stephon Diggs. Uh, Tyreek Hill, James Robinson... And Justin Jefferson also got votes. Who is your offensive player of the year? I'm going to go to Gordon the, first. Oh, sorry, Paul. No, I was going to say the only person missing off my list there is Alvin Kamara, but I think they've nailed everything else. I think it's going to be Derek Henry. That's Derek Henry for me. Yeah. Oh, what record did Derek Henry break this year? It's not just well, about he, breaking records. He didn't. No, but if you break a record... So, Travis Kelsey broke the record of most yards by a tight end in a single season by, like, 70 yards ahead of the guy who broke the record last year. Oh, I tell you what, you're like a broken record, banging on about Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would, I would be tempted to give it to Kelsey as well. Not only did he have probably the best tight end season ever, he was also an absolute stud in my fantasy team, so... <laughs> I will um, give him extra brownie points for that. I think ultimately Derek Henry's a difficult one because he's had a great season. But 
we've had the argument here many times about how valuable are running backs and he ultimately is, is incredibly important to the Tennessee Titans but the Tennessee Titans have proved that they're a bit of a a one trick pony in so far as if he's not if he's not running then you know what, what did they do and it was they were showing up against the Ravens in the playoffs i would i would be in inclined to give it to Kelsey. I would like to shout out Defonte Adams purely for the fact that he missed, I think, three games, four games um, during the season and his numbers were off the chart. And if he'd played the full season, I would have, it would have been frightening to see what he would have produced. Again, if it's a full, if it, we're talking about the, the seven, the seven, the 16 game campaign or the course of the season didn't show up in the championship game. So listen, let's give it to Kelsey. I think, um, He's been stellar, hasn't he? Been- I think Adam's a good shout. He'd be second on my list. I I refute the idea of Derek Henry. If we're giving an <laughs> offensive player of the year to a guy who had 18 carries for 40 yards in a playoff game, then yeah. no. It's going to be <laughs> the only time you ever give it to a tight end. So, and I would say on Paul's, on Paul's point about Alvin Kamara, do you know what? The worst thing that happened to Alvin Kamara's season in that context was Taysom Hill in the sense that he took a dip in form for those couple of games because Taysom was able to run the ball himself, something that Drew doesn't do. And he handed off to Alvin, and Alvin's points were phenomenal. You know, to do six touchdowns in a single game is phenomenal. Um, and I think, unfortunately, just for that little blip for those couple of games where Taysom was in, where his performance just... He just wasn't utilised. It's not his fault. doesn't make him any greater or worse of a player he just wasn't used as much and therefore I think over the season I come down on Kelsey here as well just purely because he is so instrumental and and he's just he is the go-to guy he's more of a go-to guy than I think even Gronk was at peak Gronk times Uh, and he was a phenomenal asset to Brady at that point Kelsey is a, a huge player to the Chiefs. And we talked about this on the podcast yesterday with the Super Bowl preview. Travis Kelsey will be the difference between beating the Bucks or not. And it will come down to that. If he can noise up those linebackers and he can get the separation in that uh, in that Super Bowl, he's going to be a huge factor in it. So for me, it's Travis Kelsey. Paul, do you have any major objection to that? Because that's three out of four of us. No, no, he was on my list, so that's fine. As long as you've got somebody on my list, I will be gracious, as always. As always. That's two done, and that was fairly painless uh, for the grand scheme of things. So congratulations to Travis Kelsey. You are the NFL Scotland Offensive Player of the Year. So let's turn to defense. Defensive Player of the Year. And again, let's go to the listener votes. Aaron Donald absolutely decimated the competition in this award when it came to the listeners. Other players that did receive votes in second was TJ Watt. Uh, Xavier Howard and Devin White got votes. Chase Young, JC Jackson, and Fred Warner all getting votes as well. Now, Xavier Howard definitely deserves a bit of um, a bit of love because if you look at the, the way in which Miami um, got so close to the playoffs, it was built on opportunism. He had 10 interceptions through the course of the season. I think it's very difficult, though, to give it to a cornerback unless they have had an absolutely outstanding stellar year. And obviously, Stefan Gilmore won it, I think, last year. He won, he won the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He won't win it, but Howard is, you know, he's, turnovers make the difference, obviously. And I think too much is too much emphasis sometimes is placed on pass rushers for me. The most probably arguably the most difficult position to play in the in the game now is cornerback because it's such an it's such a pass heavy league and it's such an offensive minded game now. So to pick ten quarterbacks off over the course of a season and to be part of a, a Miami defense that kind of through the autumn was shutting everybody down. I think I think he deserves quite a lot of love. I would have voted for him, but I know who's going to win this. It's not going to be him. <laughs> No, I think the names on here are all valid. Like, all the names that have been voted for. Like, um, Fred Warner gets... I I like to see that he gets a notable mention. In a year where so many big-name 49er defenders were injured for so much of it, Fred Warner was a shining beacon of hope in amongst all that and uh, and had a tremendous year. Chase Young, obviously, you know, will very much be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year, but even from Defensive Player of the Year, had a great uh, first season. Devin White, 
and I think it's been brilliant as well. There's a number of guys in that Buccaneers team that could get a notable mention. Xavier Howard, of course. TJ Watt, I think, deserves... I think TJ Watt's season was good enough that he runs Aaron Donald closer, and I don't think it's an absolute stick-on for Donald, but I do come down as Donald. It's hard not to. He just dominates, continues to dominate. I think there's a really good discussion and debate over who the second-best defensive player in the NFL this year was. I think you can look at Xavier Howard, you can look at Jair Alexander. I, I think the better Buccaneers linebacker this year was probably Levante David. Yeah. But if you're looking at the best, it's it's boring because he's been the NFL's best defensive player for what six years now. He didn't give it to him last. Like every single year, he just continues to dominate interior offensive linemen and just destroy them. Um, and it, it goes back. He's two hundred eighty pounds. Should have never been. Should never be this dominant because you're not supposed to at that weight be able to dominate in the NFL. Literally from his senior bowl, where he just destroyed the competition, he's just been on another level. As a rookie, he was on another level. And he's just continued that as he's gone through. So I, I can't, I couldn't nominate anyone else other than Donald. I do think all those other guys have had very good seasons, and I think if you were to award a second place, it's a really hotly contested thing. Paul, yeah, I mean it is Aaron Donald. I think Gordon Charles has said it perfectly. You know, he is he is ahead of everybody else. You would really, really struggle to make a case almost with a straight face for anybody else. So no, it's Aaron Donald for me. Okay. Uh, congratulations to Aaron Donald. You are the NFL Scotland Defensive Player of the Year. I love that I'm saying this like they're listening. Um, you know, <laughs> ever the optimist. Ever the optimist. Right. Well, you'll be you'll be tagging them all, don't I worry. I will be, don't worry. <laughs> uh, rookie of the Year, then. Uh, first up, the listeners, the winner of that vote was Justin Jefferson, who actually won it by quite a big margin. Other names that got a mention, though, Justin Herbert, Chase Young, James Robinson, Antoine Winfield Jr. and Tristan Wirfs. Anyone want to open this one? Is it anyone other than Justin Jack? Uh, Justin Jackson. I, I think Justin I think it's Je- I think it's Jefferson. But again, all, all those other guys have all had. I think this is a really strong rookie class in terms of players who showed that they belonged in the NFL straight away. It's not not just Tristan Wirfs. That the whole tackle class at the top, with the exception of Andrew Thomas, who I think kind of came on later in the year all showed that they could step up to the plate in the NFL straight away. Um, Chase Young had that kind of a little blip in the middle of the season. His sack numbers aren't the most impressive thing in the world, but still did a number on offensive tackles throughout the year. But Justin Jefferson stepped in and was basically Stephon Diggs plus in Minnesota, which was incredible given the fact he was coming in as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to chuck in Patrick Queen just so I can see Gordon's reaction. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. Come on. Come on. This, this uh, was a genuine, that was a genuine thing throughout Baltimore throughout the year. Patrick Queen, Rookie of the Year. No, he's not. for no good reason. <laughs> yeah. Because it's got to be I, someone, I, right? It's got to be someone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is, is there any love for Jeremy Chin, the, the Panthers? I thought oh. he played well, you know, for a 64th pick overall. I think the Panthers got a good one there, so I like him as well. I mean, I think it's Jefferson as well, not only for what he did, but for who he replaced um, seamlessly. So it is for me. But, you know, I th- I think we've seen some really good talent come in because I think often you wonder and you worry about teams who, you know, fluff their first-round pick, and I think most of the first-round picks did pretty damn well. The, the beauty about Justin Jefferson is the fact he wasn't the first wide receiver taken in the draft. He was, I think, the fourth. Yeah. Um, or possibly even the fifth. Was he taken before Jalen Rieger? I think he was. But you, you, you had, you know, Ruggs went to to the Raiders and then CeeDee Lamb went to the Cowboys and Jerry Judy went to the Broncos. Yeah. And I think all three of them, you could argue, had pretty spotty seasons, perhaps not of their fault because they were playing with dodgy quarterbacks or dodgy defences <laughs> or, or there was injuries involved in there. But Jefferson, was he looked like he's been there for years. He just slotted seamlessly. And it's got to be one of the best trades, most successful trades, win-win, for the Vikings to take that number one pick from Buffalo and to spend it on a guy who is essentially now a number one receiver and for Buffalo to get digs. It's been hugely successful for both sides. Um, So... For me, it's Jefferson, absolutely. 1,400 yards in your rookie season. Happy days. He went. Uh, Jefferson went the pick after Jalen Rager. So he was the fifth receiver then? Fifth receiver. 
Yeah. What did Jalen Rager do this season? Not an awful oh, lot. Got, got <laughs> <hurt>. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was one, two, three, four, five, six picks ahead of Patrick Queen. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Look at um, what you could have won, Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> and why it's interesting as well, wide receiver number six was Brandon Ayuk, who came to the Niners, who ended up having a decent nowhere near. I'm not even comparing close. He's not in the conversation. But there was that there was a lot of good wide receiver talent came out of that draft. But yeah, Jefferson is an absolute standout. I think Justin Herbert's the one other person that I would really put in the mix for this. Uh, and I think that for me as well, it's because there was so much chat about Herbert, you know, tour Herbert, tour Herbert. And we all knew Tua was going to go first, but um, when the Chargers took Herbert and then obviously parked him behind Tyrod Taylor, it was a question about when's he going to start? Is he going to be ready? And he came in and he just, from the off, just looked tremendous. It was great value to watch. Um, and for me, I, I I think he's the the rookie I enjoyed watching the most. But I guess that's because he's the quarterback, so you're always going to see more of him. Um, it is hard to give it to anyone else other than Jefferson. Herbert's the only person I would consider he also, to. Her- Herbert was also pretty bold with the way he threw the ball. So it was entertaining. Even when it wasn't great, it was still pretty entertaining because he was you know, taking chances. I still think the best quarterback out of the class is going to wind up being Joe Burrow but Justin Herbert has at least made that a question going into year two Yeah. okay so is that Justin Jefferson is that a clean sweep I'm seeing yep. I'm seeing nods that doesn't that doesn't really work well on a podcast guys but you know that's fine we'll go with that <laughs> go for it go for it congratulations Justin Jefferson you are the NFL Scotland rookie of the year we're flying through this by the way that's I had I penciled in a maximum of ninety minutes or twenty minutes in, and we're uh, we're just about halfway there. And I'm not sure that there's any conversation for this next one either. Comeback player of the year. The listeners gave it to the person who I anticipate we'll all give it to. It has to go to Alex Smith, surely. There's no reason to doubt that it's it's him. And I mean, I think it was he, the fact he won five games as a starter is probably. The outstanding part it's not just the fact he came back and played it's the fact that they won and not not the not that they had a great offense but he has obviously been a tremendous story and whether or not he plays again in the league is the interesting thing for me because washington might go out and get a quarterback we might never see him again and i don't think that's going to matter because he, he came back he proved it to everybody that he was more or less capable of of, of standing upright and, and delivering a pass and then in the NFL, and he deserves all the credit in the world. And you know, he's been written off his entire career when he even when he was the number one pick. I think he was over he was overrated, un, under too much pressure, and then he nearly died. So fair play to him. I, 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 you can't you can't argue with it. I mean, the, the the reality is that after he got hurt and after he could have died and could have lost his leg, like there were points where it was more likely that the four of us were going to quarterback the Washington football team than Alex Smith. Even he, he was solid enough. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he was good at all. He had some shaky moments as a, as a player this season. But comeback player of the year is about where you came from to where you got to. He had no business being back playing in the NFL after that. I, I think they should retire the award because I don't think you're ever going to get a better comeback story than this. I mean, it you know, for as bad as it was and all the documentaries we've seen. I also think that, you know, sometimes you need to get a little bit lucky. And for, for Ron Rivera in Washington, I think they did get a little bit lucky that he came back. You know, he kept his cool and he did quarterback them to wins, which I think helped the aura around Ron Rivera in his first season in Washington and actually just restored that franchise a little bit. I mean, a lot's being made of Ron Rivera, but I think actually Alex Smith's contribution to all of that is slightly overlooked under the heading of hasn't he done well to come back? I think he did well to come back, but I think he did well to win them some games as well. I absolutely list the game where he first came in, because obviously we, he wasn't expected to come in. He came in, but I list the, the rest of that game as perhaps some of the most anxious football I've watched this season. And I think that that was a, an emotion that was felt by 
fans across all teams in the NFL. When Alex Smith was back out there, and we all wonder, is he ready? Is he? Oh, he's in at the deep end. Oh, good God, please let him be okay. Um, and he was. And it wasn't just that he was okay. He then went on to start and do really well. And the, and after a couple of games, that that feeling of dread for him almost disappeared because he was back and he was he was slinging it around and he looked great. And then obviously, the, even to the point, and there's that photo of, I can't remember the game now off the top of my head, where his leg's bleeding. Uh, and, and right away, you're just like, God, he's not just back. Like, his leg's badly cut up and he's still going. You know, he was, he was back and he was solid and he was good to go uh, and nothing was going to stop him. And I think as well, that really nice sort of tribute that his wife did by turning the the support into a trophy for him and things like that. All of that is just a great, great story. Uh, so I think that absolutely Alex Smith is the comeback player of the year. I'm just going to mention three of the other names that got a nomination, though, um, because the other names that came up in the listener vote for this was Baker Mayfield, who did bounce back, you know, had a really bad 2019, much improved. Nelson Aguilar, who went from a absolutely terrible wide receiver to... Uh, half legit option uh, and I can only think someone's trolling us here because someone put Antonio Brown <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're trolling you <laughs> oh no listen somebody trolled me I'm going to come to that at the end because there's a uh, there's one round of award nominations that filtered all the way through I'll cover that at the end <laughs> so so to be fair with that the you know, it's not it's not a positive comeback story, but from being out of the league to go in, you know, I can see the I can see the argument there. I can see the argument with Baker, although again, it's you came back from being pretty poor in your second season to being fairly good in your third. Okay, I don't think it's that great a story. Nelson Aguilar, I think people just need to understand that he's a wide receiver who's going to have one good season out of three or four. I don't think that's a comeback story. He's just, <laughs> he's he's occasionally going to find some big plays and then the other seasons he's just going to drop those big plays. That's clearly a Raiders fan. <laughs> desperate to try and try salvage something from their season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a stick on this one, isn't it, Alex Smith? So yeah, well done, Alex Smith. You are the comeback player of the year for the NFL Scotland podcast. Okay, on to coach of the year. So this one's a little bit more interesting and I think there's a, a number of names can be in this conversation. So, and even, actually, this is probably the, the award that got the most amount of names in it from the listeners. So coach of the year, the winner, according to the listeners, is Kevin Stefanski. Also receiving votes, though, Ron Rivera, who's only two behind, Andy Reid, Sean McDermott, Bruce Arians, Sean Payton, Joe Judge, <laughs> and Brian Flores. Joe, Joe Judge getting nominated. This is this happened in, in <laughs> NFL media circles throughout the year as well. Congratulations for the fact that you won, what, three games in a row, four games in a row? <laughs> yes. that, that's what that award is based on. The Giants are terrible and he won a couple of games. No. I... Stefanski is very hard to argue against because he made the Browns not it's not even just he got the playoffs with the Browns he made them look like a team that you should probably be quite excited about for the future I I think it has to be him but I think right behind him Sean McDermott I think McDermott was phenomenal in Buffalo this year the the way they got the most out of Josh Allen um, just the coaching decisions they made throughout the year I think he's done a phenomenal job the last two seasons um, getting the most out of that team. Well, if you're putting Sean McDermott in there, then I don't understand why Matt LaFleur is not getting any love at all. And I would put Matt LaFleur and Sean McDermott in the same boat in the fact that they ballsed it up in the championship game, both of them, by going against the grain of what they'd done all season, which is being positive and backing their quarterback. And they didn't do it in the championship game. Parking those two games aside, I think they've both been excellent. And I cannot believe that LaFleur has not been talked about more because he has completely transformed the Packers' offense. It's the most efficient offense in the league. And if, it, if, he's, if he's not made a series of cock-ups last Sunday, then there's a good chance that his team are in the Super Bowl and he's been talked about as coach of the year. And he won't win it, but I, I don't understand why... Everyone looks at it as just a Rogers one-man show because it's not. The other one, I, I would probably vote for Brian Flores myself because I think Brian Flores um, he inherited an absolute dump and he's turned it around and he's made them a credible franchise again and he's clearly got 
something about him. Um, but I can't understand why Lafleur doesn't get more credit. If, if we're if we're if we're dinging McDermott and Lafleur for championship mm-hmm. games, then we're absolutely dinging Flores for the egg they laid against yep. the Bills. Absolutely, that was that was arguably the worst performance of the season. I do find it interesting that Charles' MVP, Coach of the Year, Player of the Year if he got to play the whole year, and the Packers still didn't make the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, oh, you, can't, you can't argue with class, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, argue with class. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's my turn to speak. So, um, <laughs> obviously it's Kevin Stefanski. Now, I do have Sean McDermott. I do have Matt Lafleur on my list. I think Ron Rivera has been mentioned, but I think there's there's partly the sympathy vote there. And I think what we can all agree on is we're glad that he, he fought back from his health scare. And I think that's brilliant. I think on the field, I think there's there's still a, a myriad of problems. If he can take them to winning record next year and find them a quarterback, that might change. Um, I think Kevin, Kevin Stefanski, I mean, look at what you Jackson did to them. Look at what Freddie Kitchens did to the Browns. The talent was there. And I think more importantly than getting them to the playoffs, I think Kevin Stefanski has put the Browns back on the map as a team that you want to see and a team that television now wants to show for all the right reasons rather than that of a car crash. Ultimately, you know, you can talk about coaching, but you can talk about the whole structure. And the Buffalo Bills, the way in which they have rebuilt their franchise over the last three or four years, that is the template for every franchise that's down in the dumps at the moment. They've got to look at what McDermott's done with his general manager, the way they've built through the draft, and then they've gone out and been aggressive in free agency. And... You, you've got to hand it to them. And McDermott, I think coaching-wise, has done a good job. I think perhaps coaching-wise, he actually did a better job last year, perhaps, because the team was more rounded than they got into the playoffs when many maybe thought that they couldn't. Allen's progression has been phenomenal, and I don't know if you put that all on Sean McDermott, but Stefanski's been terrific, and he's changed the culture, which is what Brian Flores has done and which is what Ron Rivera's done. He's changed a toxic culture, and that is a head coaching job which you have to give massive, massive credit to. And the, the question is, do people take the Browns seriously now? They do. And so, you know, fair play. I think if you look at what the expectations were at the start of the season, a lot of us picked the Bills to win the AFC East. Now, we probably wouldn't have had them going all the way to the championship game, but we certainly had them being the new hot team in the AFC East. I don't think anybody had the Browns getting to the postseason, let alone the divisional round, uh, and ultimately losing out. You, know, you can put your hand up all you I, want. I think I think I did. I think I think <laughs> me and I think me and Jim Ballard both had. I th- I think I had the Ravens to win the division, but the Browns second to make the playoffs. I I, I understand the point you're going to make about the Browns, but I think if we want to go a little bit further back, going into the Freddie Kitchens season, they were everyone's hot pick to be really good. So I think Stefanski did a really good job writing the ship there, but I think we probably shouldn't ignore the fact that there was a reason everyone thought they could be really good the year before. Freddie Kitchens just did an awful job. Stefanski got the best out of Baker Mayfield, set him up in a system that's heavy play action, um, and I think they're going to be really good again next year. So I don't have a problem with it. I just I think he had more to work with than people are given him the opposite of credit for whatever that word is and I think if you look at the Brown season as well they spent a lot of time without their best running back they spent a lot of time without their best wide receiver Asterix next to that because I don't know that Odell's been the best receiver since he's been in Cleveland but eh, technically and on paper the best receiver um they obviously had a lot of sort of COVID disruption and things like that so they did it with challenges for sure uh, and I think that that ultimately is why he just edges ahead because Sean McDermott's my second in that one as well. Uh, I think that he's done a tremendous job and Buffalo are a contender and I hope they remain to be. Um, but yeah, it's got to be Stefanski. I think we've all agreed on that one. So Kevin yeah. Stefanski, congratulations. You're the NFL Scotland Coach of the Year. Okay, right. This is where this is going to get interesting now and I think this is where the debate may come into play. I could be wrong. We're now going to go over our weekly awards, but on a season-long basis. We're going to look at our Belter Play of the Year. We're going to look at our Bowfing Moment of the Year. And then we're going to give out Ball Bag of the Year. So, again, the listeners have had their say on this one. 
And we'll kick off with the belt of play. I'll read through everything here because there's a few different things being nominated. Ultimately, the winner of the belt of play, according to the listeners, is the Hail Murray against the Bills. Also receiving votes are Derek Henry's 94-yard touchdown versus the Texans. DK Metcalf's tackle of Buddha Baker. <laughs> hey! Bill's 99-yard interception touchdown versus the Ravens. Chad Henney's yeah. scramble versus the Browns. AJ Brown's one-handed touchdown versus the Jags. <laughs> Todd Gurley's accidental touchdown versus the Lions. Uh, that's got to be an ironic one. <laughs> um, Odell Beckham Jr.'s end-around versus the Cowboys. Zerline's onside kick versus the Falcons. Justin Jefferson's first career touchdown. Daniel Jones' sniper run versus the Eagles. <laughs> Lamar Jackson's scramble versus the Titans and the wild card. Um, Trevon Diggs' touchdown saving tackle off DK Metcalf. And uh, Fitzmagic's face mask touchdown versus the Raiders. Lots and lots and lots of belter plays there for contention for different reasons. <laughs> but I'm going to open the floor up and see what you all think. Anyone want to go first on this one? It's got to be DK Metcalf, hasn't it? Just to annoy you. <laughs> the athlete that he is. But, yeah, I couldn't agree more, Charles. Well, Absolutely. Not belter play of the year. Behave. Apparently, um, I, I, it's unconfirmed, and surely, Cameron, you can firm this one up, but apparently he's auditioning for the um, US track sprint team at uh, Tokyo 2021, given he is clearly the fastest receiver in the league. <laughs> the fastest man alive. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go three for four so that Cameron has to say it. Oh. I'm going to say DK Metcalf. But what you, I will say is... What's I, the I'm actual gonna, play? <laughs> I'm, I'm picking that as my answer. That's You're going to have to announce that That's as the winner. I think so. I... I uh, as much as I appreciate the person who submitted the Lamar Jackson scramble against the Titans, as much as I love that, it's not even the best Lamar Jackson play of the year. The best Lamar Jackson play of the year is when he came out from the toilet, <laughs> allegedly not the toilet, allegedly it was my <laughs> and uh, and threw a touchdown against the Browns. That that that's his best play of the year. But the play of the year is DK Metcalf. So, so had he squeezed out an IV, or is that a, a different topic altogether? <laughs> he, uh, he, he wasn't on the field. He didn't have his microphone on because he'd just been throwing <laughs> Jobby. So that's me officially sacking Gordon for bringing up Jobbies on the podcast. So that's us got rid of one DK Metcalf vote. <laughs> Either you two fancy toilet humour? Yeah. Well, I, I've, I've got a couple of plays that, that I liked. Now, I think Alva Kamara going in for his sixth touchdown. You know, on Christmas Day was was highly memorable. Might not have been the best play in the world, but because of the significance of it, and the this, the Saints had almost teased them with not getting the ball uh, before that. Um, Taysom Hill had a couple of cracking plays as the Saints smashed uh, the Buccaneers thirty-eight points to three. But I'm not going to go into to Taysom Hill. How about Jarvis Landry for his touchdown against the Cowboys? He was four out of four this season passing. You know, that was really impressive. So there was a couple of great trick plays there. But, yeah, I think the Hail Murray, I think simply because of what it meant and how he got away and the confident throw, okay, he threw it to one of the best receivers um, that, you know, the Houston Texans have ever had. And it's it was tremendous. Yeah, for me, it's the Fitzmagic uh, face mask touchdown. Uh, because of the way that whole game went and everything about it. And it was... Fitzmagic's last hurrah uh, to an extent, you know. It just was a brilliant play against a Raiders team that fell off a cliff, something ridiculously. Um, but it was just brilliant, you know, from a player that you're not expecting it from. That That's the sort of stuff Mahomes was pulling off. You know, had Allen done it, had Josh Allen done it, fine. But this was Fitzmagic and he's sort of season that he'd been benched halfway through for the, the next did, big did, thing that wasn't the next anyone... big thing. Did anyone expect DK Metcalf to run down that interception, though? Uh, no, it's, it's the play of the year for me, Gordon. Uh, Charles says so as well. So we, we wondered how we would settle disputes, but three to one, I don't think it's... Bob Agri. Bob Agri is how you've settled this one, spiteful <laughs> gits. You, you, you're, Cameron, you're very welcome to nominate this moment as a potential Bob Agri. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for for that award in about three minutes' time. So, 
Just park it, son. It's, it's, it's a done deal. Congratulations <laughs> to DK Metcalf, who wins Belter Player of the Year for his chase. Well done, listeners. Quite right, Hale Murray. That's much better. Bunch of jerks. Right, Bowfin moment. Oh, as if to follow. The Bowfin moment's just happened. Right. <sighs> okay, Bowfin moment. So let's go to the listeners' votes, first of all. Winner is the Packers kicking a field goal on fourth and eight versus the Buccaneers in the conference championship. Um, this was a close one because there was a few other things got uh, a number of things. So Bowfin moment also getting votes. Dax injury. Uh, obviously, his leg not not pretty pictures at all. Daniel Jones sniper run versus the Eagles. The Eagles resting players at the end of the Washington game in week 17. That's your trigger, uh, Gordon. Uh, Chiefs helmet to helmet hit and the fumble versus the Browns. Brady and Bucks in the Super Bowl. The Houston Texans organization. The NFC East. <laughs> Bowfin moment. <laughs> the NFC East. Uh, the Jacksonville Jags. Joe Burrow's injury. Goff as QB1, the Raiders' defense, the John Bostick hit on Andy Dalton, the Falcons' onside recovery team versus the Cowboys, and the Eagles going for the tie versus the Bengals uh, and the Broncos' no quarterback game. Lots of Bowfin moments. There's, the there's last one that's not even been mentioned in there, which I thought would have got mentioned, and I think it got nominated for all three awards that week. It was Greg Williams selling out. <laughs> Yeah. How on earth does that not be? Well, then the question is, does that come under ball back? I would give that was the worst play of the year. If we're talking about a pure offensive or defensive play, that was by far and away, in my view, the worst play of the year. The worst call of the year was Greg Williams going on an all-out blitz with five, 10 seconds to go. <laughs> See, I, I quite like that, but I, I think there's a difference between play calling and execution because there is only one winner here and that was the Atlanta Falcons huddle against the Lions Matt Ryan saying whatever you do don't score and what happens they go in and score now everybody was wondering at the time did he must have told them, but we can't be sure. And of course, then we get the mic'd up version that he did basically say, whatever you do, don't score. That cost them a game, effectively. It was as dumb as a piece of football as you will ever see. And that, to me, is both. And that was worse. I mean, the thing with Greg Williams, it's awful. And yes, that might have come off for them. But the instruction was, whatever you do, don't score. How hard is it to stop? That's all they had to do was stop. That was a dreadful piece of play. But it was the Falcons, so we, we do see the humour in it. I, I think there's one of the listeners, I don't know if it was one nomination or two, but got it absolutely correct. There was one moment this year that absolutely guaranteed the way a result was going to go, and that's when the Broncos were forced to field a practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. And it just highlights that the NFL just said, we're just powering through with this. We're just we're going. It doesn't, doesn't really matter what happens. We're not doing week 18 we are playing these games. There was no need to play a game. But also the rules, they changed the rules a couple of weeks later to be like, oh, actually, you know, if you've got free agent quarterbacks who are self-isolating before, you can then sign them. They should have just thought of those things ahead. Just there was no need to see. As nice a moment as I'm sure that was for, for him, there was no reason to have a practice squad wide receiver playing quarterback. I don't think it would have been a nice moment for him. Not for long. It would have been in a bit of excitement and trepidation, but at the end of the day, it didn't come out good from at all. Um, and I think it's a real shame. He was the fall guy. He was stitched up absolutely good and proper. The Broncos were stitched up, but he was really stitched up in all of this. Sent out there to fail. Um, and really, that it wasn't fair to expect anything else for him. So I, I think it's a really, it's a good shout. And I agree between both of these. I think that Todd Gurley one, because the commentary is there, because you can hear what's being said to him, it's just like, oh, mate. Like, he's better than that. And he's the, it was the fact that he'd been told it before and he knew what to do. And you see these great moments of players making decisions and stuff like that. It got it so wrong. Um, so for me, it's between, it is between those two. I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm... I'm actually going to let Charles cast a vote if it's between those two or for something else. Um, depends whether I want to go for sheer idiocy or morals here. And I think, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 
Do you know the problem? The problem with Gordon's point, and I totally get it, is the fact that I feel that there's an indirect reference to the fact that the Ravens he feels got screwed over at some point during the season. No, they, the Ravens so, one I don't think was getting screwed over. That was just yeah, but you just like, went on about it for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I, went, I went on about the fact that they almost beat the so-called wonderful Pittsburgh Steelers. That um, I was told for weeks. I, I don't know. I, I think it was on. Uh, listen. It was it was a it was it was it was harsh on 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 the the guy who played at quarterback. Um, so if we're was it Bowfin? Bowfin. No, no, it wasn't. I don't think it was Bowfin. I think Todd Gurley for sheer idiocy probably wins it. I'm afraid. Fine, I'm quite happy to go with that as well. So congratulations to Todd Gurley. You win the 2020 most Bowfing moment, uh, according to the NFL Scotland podcast. And that leaves us with just the ball bag. Ball bag of the year uh, nomination. So first of all, the listeners. The winner of this, no prizes for guessing. I don't know who uh, Charles is pointing at. I'm going to assume me because um, I can't see he's on his screen. <laughs> so ball bag of the year winner is Antonio Brown. Uh, just cause what boring choice yeah come on just cause they say what's he going to be like if he gets a super bowl ring this season i don't think I, i'll be honest i'm going to go through the rest of these i don't think antonio brown wins it this year that was his last year it was it was his yeah. award it was named after him it was as much a stick on as alex smith's comeback player of the year i don't think he wins it this year also receiving votes juju smith schuster for multiple reasons Doug Peterson, for multiple reasons. <laughs> That's what it says. Matt LaFleur, for the fourth and eight field goal. Carson Wentz, not as good as he thinks he is by a fucking mile. Exact words. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey, he's still a spoiled kid throwing tantrums. Jack Easterby. Uh, Jared Goff gets one, as does Roger Goodell. Adam Gase, Dan Schneider, John Gruden for taking the team bus around the Arrowhead car park multiple times after beating the Chiefs, and me for doubting the Buccaneers. That's your nominations. <laughs> Is that the only reason that you've been nominated? Yeah, that's There's the only reason. Many, many other reasons that you. <laughs> I have got I, um, no idea what you're talking about. I've done nothing uh, well, wrong. I'm, I'm sure if you dig back through the Autumn's podcast, there were many times that you were nominated for various. <laughs> Um, I'm going to throw another name in there, which um, I'll be interested to see Paul, hear Paul's thoughts on this. Um, CJ Gardner-Johnson, who is just a one-man um, angry, he's just a one-man fighting machine, with, especially with Chicago Bears receivers. And he's generally, I think, after this season, I would regard him as a complete and utter knob. Now, this is a man that fought with Anthony Miller and got him ejected. He got punched by Javon Wims and got him ejected as well. He also got punched by his own teammate, Michael Thomas, uh, and resulted in Michael Thomas being suspended. Now, look, there might, I think there's a, th th there's a theme going on here. There are a lot of really dislikable human beings in the NFL, and he is coming up on the rails as the one who we're going to have to watch over the next couple of years. He is clearly a tube of the highest caliber. Cool. And, um <laughs> it, it can't all be it can't all be the fact that he's the victim. I'm sorry. I, I don't think I think that and the John Gruden driving the bus around Arrowhead after winning. That's not Bob Agri, that's the shithousery of the year award. <laughs> that's just Chauncey Gardner Johnson gets people ejected from games. That is give the man a raise, put a crown on him for that. That's that's exactly what I want. My my Bob Ag is everyone who cried and whined and lost all of their marbles because Doug uh, Peterson benched a quarterback who was completing less than 50% of his passes in a football game. <laughs> well, well, let me pick up on that point. Two two things. The House Award, yeah. Chauncey Garner's just a gentle soul. He's just looking, <laughs> he's just looking for a core in his life and something to settle down. The bus round Arrowhead is brilliant by John Gruden. I think that's, that's amazing. My ball bag is Doug Peterson. And it's simple. And it's not for pulling the quarterback. He's got every right to do that. It was coming out in the press conference and pretending that he was trying to win the game. And all of a sudden, that he urgently needed to see this quarterback come and play. It was sheer and utter ball baggery. And I'll tell you why he wins it. Because it cost him his damn job because he lost the confidence of his team and ownership for doing it. He could have set the stall out an awful lot better he could have sold it better but he thought he was the big guy he knew better and he went for it and it cost him his job another couple of little ones jamie collins for hitting the ref and then getting himself ejected that was dumb 
we're also missing one of the you know the biggest ball bags of the year, and that's the Chargers doctor who got the injection wrong with Tyrod <laughs> Taylor. He needs a mention because he changed he changed the Chargers season. Did you know? Yeah, if you look at all the ball bag incidents we've talked about, has there been any that actually changed a team and a division season as much as the doctor injecting Tyrod Taylor badly? There's one person. Wait, there's one person did it. There is one person, yeah, and I think I know who he is. And he 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 changed the entire organization's potential future even before the season had started. And his name is Bill O'Brien. Absolutely. Uh, For me, it's a it's a stick on. I can't believe he didn't get a nomination. I think it's so far gone that people have almost healed over it, and he's almost getting forgiven for the franchise. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) and the the Deshaun Watson thing is being blamed on the front office now, which who I believe are absolutely to blame. But a million percent, Bill O'Brien kicked that train off. Um, you know, there's it stinks of O'Brien does that ball of absolute catastrophe, um, and it's just a, a shambles of a. Of a franchise, they, we we talked about this at the time. We're worried that the Texans are going to ruin Deshaun Watson's career, and good God, they still might. And this all comes down to a systematic long list of nonsense and stupidity, and spitefulness, and naivety, and ego, and self-inflated, self-importance. Thinks he knows what he's doing, and he traded DeAndre Hopkins for. Uh, I can't. David Johnson. I forgot his name. Is so irrelevant. There's nobody oh. other than Bill O'Brien. He didn't just ruin his team. It's on it. Changed so the whole landscape. I don't think O'Brien's years. actually the biggest ball bag in Houston. I think it is Easterby. Jack Easterby's like the. It's not the GM, but there's like some connection up there, and apparently, he's the one who's been pulling the strings and all of this stuff. But I mean, it's incredible. We were all we were all told that it was just the media's narrative and the Texans absolutely should have traded DeAndre Hopkins and that that blew up in Texans fans' faces spectacularly. Yeah, I, I mean, there was a case that was tried to be made for the situation. And yeah, it's nice to see you've not let that there one was, go, there Gordon. There was no case to be made. There was a case that was attempted and it was terrible. Yes. You so. know, if, if you're ever lucky enough to meet somebody who smiles at you the way that Gordon smiles at the Texans <laughs> messing up, then believe me, you have found your life partner. Mm-mm. Um for me, though, it's Bill O'Brien. There's some great nominations. For me, I think the, the person I would give it to other than him is Juju Smith-Schuster because I think the, just the sheer amount of Bob Agri from him, and he should know better because he's had the example go before him, and we all saw what happened with Antonio Brown. Don't but copy that sort of behavior. Be better than that. Just be better than that. So, Juju, get your head sorted, son. Be better than that. <clears throat> Sorry. It's Bill O'Brien. I, I would uh, have that, to give it to Bill O'Brien. Although I, yeah, I don't mind it's O'Brien. Deep and distant, dark. And it, 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 it can, because O'Brien's left, Easterby can hold that bad boy. That's how we'll do that one. Do you know what? O'Brien won it, but he's left the organization. So Easterby, that that thing's going to be sitting on your mantelpiece. You can sit and stare at that every night when Deshaun Watson's phoning you saying, have you let me go yet? Have you let me go yet? Have you let me go yet? It's Bill O'Brien. It still should be pointed out that you got more ball bag nominations than the rest of us put together. <laughs> let, let, let's not forget that. <laughs> Congratulations, Bill O'Brien slash Jack Easterby. You have won the NFL Scotland 2020 Ball Bag of the Year Award. Right, I said that that concludes our award nominations. I did say there was one person had trolled, so I need to go back through this because there's one set of nominations that have been taken out of this um, purely so we could recap them at the end. And someone has submitted this, and I thought it was one of you guys, but no, I don't think it is because I think I may have figured out who it is, and it is a listener, so... MVP, DK Metcalf, Offensive Player of the Year. With 10 touchdowns this year and 1,303 yards, it's DK Metcalf. Defensive Player of the Year for his touchdown-saving tackle on Buda Baker, DK Metcalf. Rookie of the Year, DK Metcalf was criminally overlooked last year in his rookie season, so he should belatedly be awarded it this year. (laughs) Comeback Player of the Year. DK Metcalf bouncing back from what some say was a disappointing rookie season. You can't put that after you've just... Anyway, coach of the year, Pete Carroll. Obviously, this guy always flies under the radar, but is doing some great work in Seattle, especially in mentoring DK Metcalf. (laughs) 
The belter play is DK Metcalf's insane tackle, preventing a Cardinals pick six. Uh, Bowfin moment, DeAndre Hopkins starting over DK Metcalf in the Pro Bowl. Um, and Bob Ag of the Year, DK Metcalf haters, especially those on the NFL Scotland podcast. <laughs> Someone took the time to complete that and submit it. Honestly. Someone really doesn't like you. <laughs> That's quite really a long list. Your opinion. <laughs> That's quite a long list. Of the, 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 we're not doing that as an award because I've not got the time. Um, <laughs> so thank you to all the listeners who took part in that one. And we were giving away a T-shirt. Uh, one person was picked at random to win that. So congratulations to Patty Kelly, who has won an NFL Scotland T-shirt. Uh, NFL Scotland podcast T-shirt, courtesy of the great people at Sonsi Face. So, Paddy, we'll be in touch to get your sizes and your address, and we'll get that one sent out. And then, guys, we put out our NFL Scotland uh, podcast Super Bowl preview with Gordon, myself, and Jim Ballard. We put out our graphic, which has been done by the great guys at Goat Designs. Um, the Super Bowl as the... Um, Either the Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, depending on who's going to come out on top. But I, I love it. I think it's a great design. What we're doing as well is as part of our Super Bowl competition this year, we're giving you the chance to win a number of prizes. One of those will be that exclusive design on a mug. So, you know, that's a very exclusive item there. And that's the first design that he's done for us. There's more to come. We'll hopefully have some things coming out on our uh, NFL Scotland shop as well. But I've got another prize to give away as part of the NFL uh, at Scotland podcast Super Bowl prediction competition that will be coming out on Sunday. Stuart Brewing, who we've been working with all season long. Now, remember, you can use NFL Scotland as a code to get 15% off with Stuart Brewing. They're donating one of their mini kegs. So that's going to be added to the prize fund as well. So we've now got that exclusive mug and we've got a mini keg. Um, so someone is going to get those and there's more prizes to come. We'll be announcing those in the days coming up to the Super Bowl. Stay tuned for that. Guys, any other news items that we need to cover? Actually, we've not had Paul and got, uh, Charles's predictions for the Super Bowl. We should do that. We, we should, but I think what we should be saying to everybody is if you've suffered by having to do the same old thing for a Super Bowl year on year, lockdown gives you the chance to get out of that. Um, conversely, I can't remember the last time I watched the Super Bowl, you know, without actually going to, you know, the usual mates' houses and all that sort of thing. It's going to be a really, really weird experience, and I'm not actually sure I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I would agree. So for, I always host. Uh, I have hosted since 2011. So it's ten. this would have been the 10-year anniversary of me hosting. And I'll be watching it on my Todd. It's a unique Super Bowl for so many different reasons. And it's um, it's going to be a great game. I have to say my prediction would probably be that the light is going to favour the dark. I, 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 have to, I have to look at my homes and... And the Chiefs to win this. I think they're going to win it by 10. A lot of people are predicting it's going to be close. I think they're going to win it by 10 going away. Um, Buccaneers can't get lucky every week. That's the way I look at it. And um, it's, I'll be, I'm not going to be watching it. I'm going to be watching it on record the next day, probably after my children, because I have to get up at nine or eight o'clock on, on the Monday morning. So can they're they, on, half, go ter they're on half term and they have, they have, they have, they have parked. <laughs> They've got the sofa parked up for Monday morning to watch it when they get up on half time. Yeah, we, we need we need to reverse the rewards and go to Bob Ag of the Year for Charles. Knox I can't watch it. I've got to work. It's like I'm working Sunday night and I'm working Monday morning. It's brutal, and I'm 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 still a little bit bitter because of what happened last week. So I'm quite happy to be like that. <laughs> That's the real reason. That's the yeah. real reason. It's too painful. <laughs> it's too painful. Brutal. I mean, I I had the I had the dream of watching Mahomes against Rogers in the Super Bowl and. I think next year's possibly the last shot at it. Oh, dear. It's a shame. It's On a that shame. low note, <laughs> Mr. Mitchell. Uh, I, I'm going with Kansas. It's hard to repeat, but I think they've got the weapons all over the place. Uh, will it make a difference, the Bucks playing at home? I don't know. Uh, Gordon may know this already. I mean, are the Bucks the home team and will they use the home changing rooms? Because if I'm Kansas City, I'm trying to evict them from there just to try and upset them in any particular way that I can because most NFL locker rooms, the home one is usually great. They weigh one less so, although for Super Bowls, I know they try and make things a little bit more. I, I think I think Tampa are the home team. I think it is the NFC's turn. Um, and I think they've chosen to wear white jerseys or something that's the only advantage they've got and the bucks are gonna have to wear red the really terrible thing is that i don't i don't understand how this is the way this has worked out so the bucks feel aggrieved because the cannons aren't going to be allowed to fire when the bucks score a touchdown if the bucks score a touchdown um 
why is the NFL not just saying we'll fire the cannons for every touchdown? It's the Super Bowl. Like, you don't need to make it about an advantage for people. Fire the cannons when anyone scores. It's a really simple way to get around it, but no, apparently not. Or alternatively, don't fire the cannons and get rid of the ship and never see it again, because let's be honest, it's appalling. That would be my vote. And replace it with something much nicer, like extra seats or a few palm trees. You don't really need to worry about extra seats in Tampa ones, Tom. So. <laughs> well, well, no, but come on, Charles, you've got you to try and inject a little bit of fun. Be a bit more lighthearted. You know? <laughs> You're taking this too seriously. This is from the person, so I it didn't get a lot of love in the in the um, NFL Scotland chat. But just just before we go, I will just mention that Eric Church was brilliant with the anthem. No idea who Jasmine Sullivan is, but she'd be really good. Uh, WTF poetry? It's the Super Bowl. Can we get the poetry out? Um, loved the weekend. I thought the halftime show was brilliant. Uh, not as good as Prince, but the boy is great. Uh, and just on the weekend, have you seen he's had a wee bit of uh, nip and tuck, the old plastic surgery? N- not looking good. I think that was the wrong thing to do. And the most complaint that I've got is, do we now have to wait until September for more football? Bleh. Yeah, indeed we do. Pip, you haven't told us who you think is going to win the Super Bowl yet. I was yeah, trying to Kansas. avoid it. I said did Kansas. Oh, did I, yeah, oh. I'm, 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 I'm going for Kansas. I, I, I genuinely think they will win. I mean, I've... It, it's not a, a divisional rival thing or anything like that. I think they've just got too many weapons. Who's um, who's top of the the, the Pickham League here? What's the state of play going into the final? Well, week? it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just going to bring that up, not because of me and Gordon battling it out for the top. But the way that the picks have gone is I have a one point lead, but we've intentionally gone for opposite teams so that Gordon. This is a fix, basically. Not a well, fix. I, I, oh. I would have picked the I would have picked the Chiefs anyway. So I was just glad that he picked the box. Yeah, I went the box. So okay, we've not intentionally. We've we've ended up going for opposite teams. So um, ultimately, it, it'll either be a shared crown or it will be my crown. Um, so it's one of the two. At the other end, unfortunately, that's why I, I missed Paul. If Paul had gone for the box, it would have meant that there was a competition there. But because Paul, with his one-point lead over you, Charles, has gone for the same team, that means that you are have confirmed the last place. Excellent. Well, do you know what? That really sums up my season. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we need to... We need to find out what uh, Ian's going for, but I think that can, he can Ian, I think Ian can tie me and you, can he not? No, is he one behind me? No, he he's one. He's two behind you because he picked oh, okay. the Packers and the Bills in championship. You got one it's point. Quite, it's, it's quite funny that if the Bucks win, you'll be both the Pet King and the Burger King. <laughs> I'm already on the Burger King. <laughs> oh yeah, how, how many burgers do you owe us? By the way, let's, let's do a quick recap. Not each. Not each. Uh, well, and you, the whole of the off season to worry about that. <laughs> three burgers to Paul, three burgers to Charles, three burgers to Gordon McGuinness, and three burgers to Daggers. Uh, although Gordon is due me a bottle of whiskey, um, and we'll we'll figure all that out in the fallout. So there you go. At some point, we'll go back. We'll look at all the predictions that we made. Uh, we'll look back at those and see how we actually fared because. I think it was pish. Um, the right news items. The the only one that I'm going to talk about is apparently the Eagles are receiving calls on a potential trade for Carson Vince. So my question is, and this is the last question before we call this, but before the Super Bowl, who's trading for Carson Vince? Uh, Neil Lennon and Celtic are interested, <laughs> apparently. Like centre back, makes sense. a better job than Shane Duffy. That's for sure. <laughs> do, the, do the Colts want Carson Vince? Well, their option outside of that, as soon as they messed out on Stafford, was is Jacoby Brissett. I, it wouldn't surprise me if the Colts, uh, the Steelers, the Saints, the 49ers, teams like that is worth kicking the can on Carson Wentz, uh, Sam Darnold, those guys. It's difficult like when you're, when you're a team that generally picks lower down in the draft. I think you've got to take swings at quarterback. If you can get them for like a third-round pick or something, it's, it's, worth a, it's worth a gamble. Is the, the problem for Carson Wentz, I think, is not dissimilar to the problem that the Rams had with Goff, is the fact he's got a huge contract. But that um, makes the Colts likely, because the Colts have got yeah. a ton of cap room. They've got loads of cap room, and they've also got Frank Reich, who was his coordinator when they when Philadelphia won the Super Bowl in 
Um, and when Wentz, who could have been MVP that year, um, he, 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 he did great with Frank Reich. So I think that makes a perfect fit. But the fact that Stafford's gone, the fact that Joe, Jared Goff is out of the picture now, um, I can't see many places he'd want to go. I mean, there's a, there could be a bit of a merry-go-round in the next couple of months. And I think I guess Watson is the key one, because if Watson does move, then everything else will domino effect. And if he doesn't, then perhaps a lot of the, the teams that are looking at you know, upgrading at quarterback, then maybe they're not going to get exactly what they want and where they want. Can I just finish this with some good news, which is just breaking, that Roger Goodell has just announced to say that the NFL are planning for international games in 2021. That's the approach they're going to take. He's quoted as saying, we're obviously going to stay in close contact with our partners and make sure we're doing that safely. If at any point we don't think we can do that safely, we will make that determination. But the good positive news is we might get some football in London in 2021. How good would that be? And and that would be good. And it's good to see that's a positive, that's a sign that things are looking up, isn't it? Uh, across the board, um, at least they're intending to look at it and they're planning for it to be on. And if it doesn't happen, and I know you you championed this approach a lot, Paul, um, and, I, and, and I think at this point, this, it's it's a, it's a, the right and it's a good call. Let's plan it. Let's aim to do this and let's see where we get to. And if we can't do it for whatever reason, well, we're not in control of that right now. We'll deal with it when it comes. Um, easier to do it that way than the other way around uh, and not plan and then have the opportunity. So I think that's a great shout and good to hear. The bad news is they're going to send the NFC East. Right, well, that's the full-time whistle for episode 136. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Make sure that you check us out on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Please enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday. It may all be a little bit different for all of us, but get the snacks, get the beers, and perhaps a Zoom chat with your friends. It will help, I'm sure. Enjoy the game. My thanks to Gordon McGuinness, to Charles Patterson, to my co-host Cameron Hobbs. Until we're back reviewing the Super Bowl, Bye for now. Can't believe you gave DK Metcalf bloody play of the year. <laughs> we didn't even coordinate that either. Ed. No, it was brilliant. But that was perfect. Well, as soon as it was mentioned, I was I was on it. Someone, was on someone it. giving him every award. I have to yeah, say that's impressive. That is, that is tremendous.